If you're going to characterize them, a good mother, a great mother, a godly mother, you would have to say one of those mothers would be Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. Mary, of course, as we know from the scriptures, as well was a virgin. She was morally pure, chaste, un, unmarried, a young woman. That's what, a, that's what a virgin was. That's what she was. Different than any experience in the history of the world, up to that point in the history of the world, from that point today, we find this woman who, was, who gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ being a virgin, a miraculous event in the history of the world. But not only do we know it was a miraculous event, it was a miraculous choice. Mary was, was blessed, chosen by God himself to be the vessel to whom Jesus Christ will be born. So she had a great opportunity, and she had a great responsibility. Maybe the greatest opportunity and responsibility in the history of the world. We found, and not this grown-up young lady of 20 or 30, but with this teenage girl, probably 14, 15, 16, 17 at the very, at the very most, teenage girl was given this great responsibility. What do we know about Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ? First of all, we knew, we know the day that Mary knew the joy of her salvation. Mary was saved. Mary is a Christian. The Bible talks about her testimony. Mary gave letter A a testimony of her salvation. We see in Luke chapter 1, if you look down to verse 47, it says, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Jesus Christ was her personal Savior. I hope today, mothers, fathers, children, that you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You could be a grandmother. You could be the best mother that could ever, there ever be. But dear friend, without Jesus, you have nothing. He is the most important possession a person can have. You could have the largest family. You could have the greatest wealth. You could have the greatest gifts. You could have the greatest talent. You could have the greatest ability. You could have the greatest education. But without Christ, you have nothing. For what is the profit of man if he gaineth the whole world and loseth his own soul? My mother is no longer with us. She died at the early age of 55 years of age. After a routine, just a routine gallbladder surgery. I wish she was here with us today. I wish she could come to my son's graduation next week. But someday I have the hope that I will see her again in heaven. Where there will be no more pain. And there will be no more surgeries. And there will be no more doctors except for the great physician himself. There will be no more problems. Because we're going to a perfect place. Oh, dear friend, could you say that Jesus Christ is your Savior? You see, sin came in the world by Adam. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but by the obedience of one, her son, Jesus Christ, many be made righteous. Mary 
Mary had a testimony of her salvation. Not only that, let her be. She had testimony from others, her faith in God. Her cousin Elizabeth, in verse 45, the same chapter said, And blessed is he, for she believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from her Lord. Not only she, she, she was saved, she had a testimony of other people, her own family member. Now, if I was to bring your cousin up to the platform today and say, Now tell me about the, the, the salvation of your cousin, Troy, or, or Zach. Or Bob, or Nate. Now tell me, cousin. Tell me about. Tell me about. Tell me about him. Tell me about him. Would you? What type of testimony would it be? Ah, that might, you know, family members know stuff about you. They know stuff about you that the church folks don't know. Do tell. We love all that juicy information. You know, Baptist churches love all that background stuff. You know, we love all that kind of information. Do tell. But this cousin Elizabeth could say. Mary had faith in God. Would our family members be able to say to us today that, our, that we have faith in God? When you go to that family reunion, do they see you act the same way there that you act right here in church today? Or is your language a little more colorful? Your dress a little bit different? Your music a little bit different? You're not singing Amazing Grace but Hell's Bells. Is your lifestyle any different in this place as it is out there in those places? Mary had a testimony that she believed in God. At your workplace, do you have a testimony that you believe in God? Let me ask you a question. Do your coworkers know you believe in Jesus Christ? You say, friend, you can't just cut Jesus off here at the church and say, well, Jesus Christ is good for me here in the church house, but out there in the schoolhouse... Or the workplace, he's no good. No, Jesus goes with you everywhere. If he's your personal Savior and your Lord, you're living for him here and you're living for him there. Inside the church, outside the church, everywhere you go. People should see, just like if you had a t-shirt on your chest, I believe in Jesus. Is that you today? Could people say where you work? If I went to your work tomorrow and said, hey, tell me about your coworker," Could they say, well, I know one thing. On Sunday morning, they're talking about your sermon. I hope that's good. Hey, hey, say, hey, hey I, I hear about your church. I, I, I hear about the Lord. He's, he's been inviting me to come to, he's invited me to come to that creation thing you guys have next week. Could that be said of you? Or you ain't invited me to church in a long time because maybe you struggle with being what you should be yourself. You struggle with your belief. You see, friends, if we're not the Christians we ought to be, how can we tell the people about Jesus who they should receive? It starts with our faith. Thirdly, Mary received salvation by faith in God alone. She was saved just like we are by the grace of God through faith in, in God alone. The first is we know very well, Ephesians 2.8, for the grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Mary was not saved because she was the mother of Jesus Mary was saved because of her faith in Christ alone. Fourth, letter D, Mary was saved, not, but not sinless. She lived a normal Christian life. She was a saint, but she was not sinless. All of us as saints have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but just because we have a relationship doesn't mean we're sinless, right? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you have a relationship, and every one of us has had a relationship with a mother because we're all born here, right? We weren't hatched. 
then there's been times in your relationship with your mother, you've had to go to your mother and say, Mom, I was wrong. Forgive me. Some of you might have to do that today. I forgot the card again. <laughs> I forgot to do the to-do list again. You've had to go to your mom and say, forgive me, I apologize, my attitude, my action was wrong. And dear friend, if you're going to be right with God, you're going to be right with others, you on I on a regular basis have to go before other people and get right with them. Mary wasn't sinless, but she was a saint. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not... His mother called Mary and his brethren, James, Jose, Simon, and Judas. Now, I know what the Catholic Church teaches, the perpetual virginity of Mary, but that's just not true. That's tradition of a church, but the Bible tells us otherwise. And dear friend, whenever there's a dispute between tradition of no matter what church it be, whether it be Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, or Methodist, and what the Bible teaches, we always go back to the book. We always go back to the book. Jesus had half-brothers and sisters. So salvation is not in Mary. It's not in a Catholic church or Baptist church. Salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. First of all, we see here that Mary knew the joy of her salvation. But secondly, this morning, Mary knew the joy of surrender. She had a life of obedience. It says in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, after hearing all these things, now imagine, ladies, imagine putting yourself in this situation. Hearing, hearing these words and not saying, and I'm sure struggling with it. I can't, can't imagine how this going to be. But it, she says, she didn't say, well, no, not me. <laughs> That's what our, our natural maybe inclination whenever we're, given a responsibility. Sometimes I come to people and say, you will teach a Sunday school. Oh, not me, preacher. <laughs> Some people come to me and say, hey, hey, you, you want to go on visitation? Oh, it's going to be hot, preacher. Hey, you want to join the choir? I've heard you sing. Oh, no, not me. And you can sing like a bird in a shower or anywhere else, but somehow in the choir it's a whole different person. Now imagine the greatest responsibility given to a person in the history of the world. And she did not say, oh no, not me, not now. I can't do it. I'm not ready. I can't. No, she said in verse 38, be it unto me according to thy word. What is God asking you to do in your life in the area of obedience? Maybe it's one of the areas I just mentioned. But all of us, God is asking us in the area of of obedience, maybe to be a better witness, maybe to pick up this book and, and actually read it, maybe to spend more than actually three minutes a day praying, whatever it may be, there's maybe there's an area of obedience the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, it's been speaking to you about for a long time, maybe it's getting right with that mother, maybe you have a strained relationship with your mother or father or brother or sister. And you'll say, I never get right with that person, dear friend. Unless you're right with that person, you cannot be right with God. How can you say you love Jesus who you can't see and hate the one that you can see? The book of John says that's a lie. No, dear friend. Forgive. We can't ask God to forgive us our sins if we're not willing to forgive others. The reason we don't forgive others is because... We don't, we, 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 look at, we look at their sins and we look at their struggles, we look at all the problems, but we don't see our own faults, our own sins, our own struggles. And we compare them, they're not the same. 
Oh, dear friend, we all need forgiveness. She lived a life of obedience. She was surrendered to the, the will of her heavenly father. She surrendered. But it doesn't mean she always understood. Moses, I'm sure, didn't understand exactly how he was going to perform through the, through the works of God and the power of God, those miraculous plagues. I'm sure he couldn't understand exactly how that Red Sea was going to part. I'm sure he couldn't quite fathom how he'd be 40 years in the wilderness, be provided for. Shoes wouldn't be, need to be bought as sketchers because there was no sketchers. He couldn't go down to Walmart and buy some poultry. God had to provide manna. How am I going to take care of these millions of people, Lord Jesus? He did it by faith. Because it wasn't Moses doing it. It was God doing it. It was God doing it. Can you imagine the questions Mary must have had in her mind? Why me? Can you imagine her thinking to myself, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to tell my parents? How am I going to tell his parents? That's why we have to practically live, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not on our own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Those words are easy to quote, whole lot to live. When someone comes to you and says, I want you to do this. I remember the first time Nikki Chavers, the pastor of Kona Hills Baptist Church, came to me. I was 18 years of old. He said, I want you to teach this junior high class. Junior high class, teach what? Teach them the Bible. They knew the Bible better than me. I've just been saved about a year. He said, I want you to teach them. Do you know what that meant? Study. Brother Bob, you share the same testimony. Study. You better study this because if you don't get this right, these little junior high kids, they'll tell you you're wrong. You best study. You best, you best get that little Sunday school material, read through it, not just midnight or not at 5 o'clock in the morning right before it. You better start studying it, memorizing it, and getting it. And be able to share it and apply it and object lessons and all the things that you do. Well, that was a, that was a stretch of faith. And that same year I got saved, Mrs. Chavers, his wife came to me and I said, she said, I want you to play the part of King James. Who? I didn't know Jane from James to anybody. I want you to act. What's act? I played football. I wrestled. I ran. <laughs> Acting was for, well, I had a few friends that acted, but they weren't none of my friends, not many. I want you to act. I want you to get in front of about 300 people and actually walk down an aisle with, and, act and be King James. Oh, I did it. He said, I, I, I wanted to say no. How did she know, and only God used her to know, that I would be in front of people every week for the rest of my life? But it started by me saying, okay, Mrs. Chambers, I really don't want to, but I really will do it because you want me to do it because I trusted God. And there's things in your life that you know you should be doing right now, but you're not, because you're afraid, because you don't believe. But dear friend, I'm telling you, the person who's calling you will give you the power, the strength to do it if you'll simply step out on faith. Brother Eric didn't know he's going to be in front of a people, bunch of folks at the nursing home all the time. He didn't know that, but he stepped out by faith. Some of you in this other room, you didn't know you'd be doing, you're doing what you're doing, but you step out by faith, and God will give you the strength to do it. And it's unbelievable when you simply obey God and do what he wants you to do. Mary lived a life of obedience, and she loved to serve God. The Bible called her not the queen of heaven, as some faiths want to refer to as. 
Not an idol to be worshipped or bowed down to. She referred herself, referred to herself as in verse 38, a handmaid of the Lord. A handmaid was a female servant who obediently fulfilled the desire and wish of her master. That's what she was. She was a servant. Dear friend, do you have a servant's heart? Could you be characterized as a Christian with a servant's heart? Meaning you'll do whatever needs to be done? A servant has initiative. I shouldn't have to say it if a piece of paper is on the sidewalk, pick it up. You as a servant say, I'm going to pick it up. You say, well, that's what preachers do. No, friend, that's what Christians do. They see a need and fulfill it. They see holes in the choir and they fill it. They see needs in the, in the church and they feel it. They don't need to be told by the preacher. They just get an unction from the Holy Spirit and the leading of the God and say, I need to do that. I'm going to do it. She was a servant. Do you have that servant spirit? What can I do for Jesus today? The one who saved your soul from hell. We should be on a regular basis getting up. First thing we want to say is, thank you, God, I'm actually alive. And secondly, Lord, give me wisdom. And thirdly, Lord, who can I serve today? That lady you see getting ready to go into the UPS store with like five boxes, and she only should be carrying one. Do you help her with those boxes inside the door? What's pouring down rain is we're going to get those downpours every once in a while here in Florida. Just wait about five minutes, the weather's going to change. And you'll see a lady here there, a man is getting ready to be drenched, or elderly person maybe in a wheelchair, getting ready to be drenched. Do you go over there and grab your, your umbrella and hold the umbrella for the gentleman or for the ma'am so they wouldn't get wet? I'm talking about practical Christianity 101. Do you do those things? Not because you have to. Not because you pay to. Because you want to. You really, really want to pre-please Jesus Christ. She had that desire. And that's exactly what her son did. He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Mary knew the joy of salvation. She knew the joy of surrender. She loved to serve the Lord, and she lived a life loyal to her son. She gained victory, first of all, over the world. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15, Love not the world and the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. She gave herself to the eternal, not the temporal. She was, a, she was Jesus' first believer. And I know he came as an angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. But as Christ in the New Testament, she was her first believer. And she was the first follower. And she followed Jesus from the crib to his crucifixion. From his baby to his, to his death. She followed him all the way. She was a loyal disciple. You know what we need to get back to in the good old churches today? Loyalty. We don't speak about that word. That's like a word that whispered in the halls of, of some small churches. Loyalty, what's that? Being faithful, showing up. When the doors are open, the preacher knows you're going to be there because you're loyal, you're faithful. Ah, oh, man, pass a little stomach ache, pass a little headache. You're going to be there because you're loyal, not to a man, not to institution, but to Christ himself. Because, dear friend, one day we're going to say eyeball to eyeball, look up, and there's going to be Jesus Christ, our righteous judge. He's going to judge each one of us at the judgment seat of Christ. She had victory over the world. She had victory over the flesh. She was a virgin. She kept herself pure. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. 
Let every man and every woman have her own husband. Mary was a virtuous woman. She was the woman that we see in Proverbs chapter 31. You read that sometime. It's a wonderful description. She's not the woman we find in Proverbs chapter 7. She was a very wicked woman. She was victorious over the world, victorious over the flesh, victorious over the devil. The devil always speaks in lies. He always wants you to doubt. Can you imagine the doubt that Mary had in her mind, could have had in her mind? Why me? Why now? Why this time? What's the purpose? Why are you doing this? There was a time in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and we looked at it, in the book of Mark, where people thought Jesus was actually crazy, and, and part of that was his own family. Thought he was mad, thought he was going out of his mind. What's he doing? I thought he was going to be a carpenter, not a miracle worker. Maybe she didn't quite understand everything. Can you imagine the whispers of the serpent? This child can't save anyone. You're not good enough to be his mother. Your son's a madman. How can he change the world? How can he die for the sins of all mankind? What type of mother would let her son die? She didn't, she didn't doubt long. She exercised her faith and knew her son. She had a relationship with him. There's times in our lives where we're all going to come to the place where we choose God or choose ourselves. I read, read about a, a lady by the name of Joanne. She worked in a waffle house outside Des Moines, Iowa. She was married, two kids, young boy, young, young daughter. Husband left her, just up and left her. Took everything from the house, even the light bulbs and toilet paper. Took it all. She went back to the house and saw that place and picked up the kids from the nursery and thought, how am I going to live like this? She'd gone to church just a few times, gone to church just a few times. And at that moment, she made a, had to make a choice. Do I fall in and join up with those wicked men who looked at her with, a, with vulturous eyes and join in with them? And many a woman does and many a woman has. And they regret it the rest of their life. Or does she go to that church, which she's gone to every once in a while, and seek the help from God. Joanne made the right decision. She went to the church. She got an appointment with the preacher. The preacher got some ladies together, began to help her, give her, give her some food, get her some, some things, they gave her to no, donate some stuff, some, 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 some furniture, and be able to watch the kids after work so she didn't have to pay for a nursery. One of the men in the church owned a tire store, and he offered her a job at the tire store so she had better hours. She was able to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. She became faithful. She gained more money. She began living for Christ. Raised those kids in a godly manner. But her life was changed because she made the right decision. And dear friend, you might be in that same boat today where you're thinking, which way should I go? May I, choose, may I encourage you? Choose God. Choose righteousness. Choose righteousness. Mary knew the joy of salvation. She knew the joy of surrender. She knew the joy of the scriptures. Mary loved the word of God. Luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 55, she quotes from the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. The word of God had become a part of her life. Is the word of God part of your life? Do you quote it? Do you memorize it? Do you meditate on it? Do you think about it? Do you dwell on it? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and astonishing, 
one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. She loved the word of God, but second, she hid the word of God in her heart. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The Bible says in Psalms 119 verse 11, you know the word, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Not only did she love the word of God, and she hid the word of God, she lived the truth of the word of God. The greatest weapon against the wiles of the devil is the truth of the word of God. The Bible says in John chapter 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You say, in sin, dear friend, is bondage out there. Sin is bondage. But here is freedom. You say, you say, preacher, that's a whole book of rules. Oh, I used to be a rebellious teenage boy, the greatest freedom I ever have when I came under the subjugation of Jesus Christ and said, Master, I'll follow you anywhere. You know what? He's the greatest freedom when you know Christ. The greatest liberty is when you know Christ. By choosing him and loving you and helping you and guiding you and directing you. Dear friend, if he cares about the very hairs of your head, don't you care that you care about who you marry? Don't you think he cares about your life, your future, your children? He cares. He cares. Oh, thank God he cares. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you read the word of God, you study the word of God, and you memorize the word of God, and you focus on the word of God, your faith grows a little bit by little bit by little bit. Listen to me, especially you teenagers. You can't get your spirituality from your mom and dad. It doesn't happen that way. You know how it comes? From you individually. I can't give my faith to my kids. They must establish it personally. Each person, I can show them the way, and sometimes I do good and sometimes I don't. But each person individually must choose Jesus for themselves and have nurtured that relationship with Jesus Christ by reading the word and studying the word and praying and being here in church and living in obedience according to the word of God. She knew the joy of her salvation, the joy of surrender, the joy of the scriptures. And finally, as we close this morning, she knew the joy of the spirit-filled life. Dear friend, you only have two ways to go, dear Christian. You either live a spirit-filled life or you live a self-willed life. It's one of the two. When you get up in the morning, as I say, you ought to be praying, Lord, lead me, guide me, give me wisdom. Thank you for this day. Now show me the way that I'm supposed to live. Lead me. Or you get up in the morning and think, well, I got to do this, 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 I got to do this. You have a list of about 20 things you're supposed to do. Before you start that list, have you asked God what you're supposed to do? Lord, what am I supposed to do today? Would you show me? Would you lead me? A God-spirit-filled day is a whole lot better than a flesh-filled day. Because if you walk in the flesh, you're making bad decision after bad decision. You're getting an argument. You're getting an argument with your wife, with your kids. You're starting to kick the dog, kick the cat. You're getting mad at everything, everybody, getting upset, getting frustrated. It's like a man who hasn't eaten in about four days. He's not a very happy creature. Feed that man. Feed him. A man or woman who walks in the flesh is in a bad situation. That's why you got to ask forgiveness and get under the obedience of the word of God. and say, Spirit of God, lead me. Show me. Direct me. You know where you first find out whether you're being led by God or, not, or led by the flesh? It's with the temperature gauge right here. It's your mouth. 
Oh, man, if you're not led by the Spirit, you will say things you should never say. Oh, be careful. That little member gets you in so much trouble. As they used to say in the South, Ajax can't wipe that off. It gets you in a lot of trouble. But if you're spirit-filled, you'll say kind words. You'll say encouraging words. You'll, you'll, say, you'll, you'll say concerned words. But if you're led by the flesh, you'll say critical words. You'll say condemning words. And you'll, find, and you'll find countless words. It means you said too many words. The Bible says, He that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Oh, be careful what you say. How do you, how do you take care of the tongue? You're led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Mary knew the joy of her spirit-filled life. Mary's prayer emphasized her gratitude. We see it in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. In everything she wanted to do, she wanted to praise his name. She wanted to glorify his name. She wanted to make his name better by her actions, by her attitude, by her conversation of life, by her, her character of her life. And dear friend, that's what we, in our life, that's how we should do. We should magnify the Lord in everything we do. Means showing up when we're supposed to show up on time. Dressing right, acting right, living right. I want to magnify the Lord when people see me. I don't want them to see me, Marty Moon. I want them to see the Christ in me, which is the hope of glory. I have no hope for them, but Christ has all type of hope for them. She Secondly, Mary embodied a life of joy and submissiveness. Verse 47, my spirit shall rejoice in God my Savior. For he, this, for he that is mighty hath done, so to me, hath done to me great things. Holy is his name. She magnified him because he, was a, he is and was and will always be a mighty God. He hath done great things. Holy is his name. Oh, dear friend, that'll be our prayer wherever we go. He's done great things for me. If somebody comes to you on your worst day, you could say to me, Jesus has done great things for me. <laughs> he saved my soul from hell. I didn't deserve that. He's given me a place in heaven. I didn't deserve that. He's preparing that place for me. He's given me the Holy Spirit inside of me, which leads me. He's given me the word of God as a God. He's given me so many great things. And dear friend, he's given you so many great things. Aren't you thankful? These are gifts that one cannot see until they're believed in. Do you believe? Do you believe? The greatest love that a man had for his mother had to be the love that Jesus had for his mother Mary. You might have done some great things for your mom, and I hope you did. Hope you bought some things. Hope you did those projects, whatever they may be or going to be. But I can't imagine a love for a son greater than the love that Jesus must have had for his mother. I can imagine him seeing his mother, knowing that he made her, her hair, her hands, her feet, everything about her. But she conceived him. She chose him. And he chose Jesus didn't say a whole lot of words on the cross. We looked at the seven sayings on the cross, but one of his sayings was mother. And Mary was there from the cradle to the cross. Mother, behold thy son. 
Mary chose him. And Jesus chose her. And dear friend, today you have a choice. If you're here today and say, man, I don't know, I don't know anything about this Christianity. Maybe you're here simply today because it's Mother's Day. And to honor your sister or honor your mother or honor your friend, you're here because it's Mother's Day and you wanted to do the right thing that came to church. I know exactly where you're at. Because I came to youth activity not intentionally, not desiring to do anything, making any type of decision. But the Spirit of God was speaking to me and saying, you need to get right with God. And at 17 years of age, at 525 Taylor's Road in Taylor, South Carolina, I had to make a decision. Trust in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Trust in Jesus Christ and accept his grace. The same grace that Mary received, the same grace that many of you received, or reject that gift. The greatest gift that's ever been given to a mother, to a person, to a, a, an individual is the, is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus Christ willingly demonstrated his love, not just towards his mother, but to the whole world when he was on that cross, dying and shedding his blood, not just for a few, but for all men, for all mankind. Now I ask you, mom, brother, sister, brother, child, will you reject that gift today? Or will you receive it? Just like Mary had a choice, receive this gift or say no to this gift. You today, friend, have a choice. I can't promise you, if you say no to this choice, that you'll ever get the opportunity to say yes to this choice ever again. I can't promise you that. I know, to, I know for one thing for sure, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning, harden not your heart. Don't say no to him. Don't say tomorrow or some other day. I did that so many days during my youth when I heard that preacher plead with all his heart for a teenager to be saved, a friend to get saved, someone to get saved, and I ignored it, I ignored it, and only by the grace of God am I here this morning preaching the same gospel unto you. But Jesus Christ died for your sins so you could have everlasting life, and you can accept him. You see, friends, we're all sinners. Mary was a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But God saw our need, and he died. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so we could have everlasting life. The way we're saved is by trusting in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And you could ask Jesus today to be your Savior. You could say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. But right now, by faith, I'm going to place my trust in you alone to save me from my sin. That's the prayer I prayed almost 34, over 34 years ago. And that friend, it's not the prayer so much. It's the, it's the choice. It's the choice. Would you choose Jesus today? To choose Jesus is to have everything. To reject Jesus is to reject everything. Your greatest hope, your only hope in this life, dear friends, is not in finances. It's not in a better job. It's not in a better husband. It's not in better kids. It's not in a better country. 
It's not in better comfort. It's not in better things. Your only hope in this life is in Christ. And he is offered to you freely today. I pray you accept it. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And this day, on this Mother's Day, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to hearts through your blessed spirit. I pray, Lord, if there be one in this room who's never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, maybe, it, maybe they prayed a prayer at 5 but just not sure. Maybe they were baptized at 10 but still not sure. If you're here today and you have any doubt in your mind about your salvation, would you today... By faith, trust in Christ, ask him to save you. So when you walk out of this place, there'd be no doubt. With head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around and say, Preacher, I'm just not a, I'm not a Christian. Or I'm not sure I'm a Christian. But the faith that was displayed to me by Mary and the truth we see in the word of God shows me I need to be sure. I want to be sure when I die I'll be in heaven forever. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? I promise not to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. I won't point you out, but I'd love to pray for you. Preacher, I'm not, I'm not saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all this morning, I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm saved. But I'm, some of the things you've been talking about, obedience, surrender, being spirit-filled, I'm struggling in those areas. Would you pray for me? I'm honest this morning. Anybody at all? I'm struggling in those areas. I'm being honest. I'm struggling with my obedience to God. I'm struggling and being led by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. I'm struggling and walking the Christian, reading my Bible and praying and witnessing. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? I want to follow the Lord. Let's stand to our feet this morning. God has spoken to your heart and salvation. If you're a man, I'd love to take the Bible and show you from the Word of God. If you're a lady, my wife would love to take the Word of God and show you from the Bible how you can be saved. Dear friend, I beg with you. I plead with you. Don't walk away from this place not knowing whether you're, if you died today, you'd go to heaven. The worst mistake you could ever make is not economically or politically. It has to do with your salvation. Know that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And if you're here today and say, Preacher, I know Jesus, but I've not been living for Jesus, the invitation's for you. Come down this altar. Put a stake down spiritually. Say, today, from this day forward, by the grace of God, I'm going to begin to do this. Bible, witness, whatever the Spirit that God is asking you to do. And I believe if you're Spirit-filled today, He's going to ask you to do something. What is it? What is it? 